Hello and welcome back to the F2 show. Here we go then, the final round of the season. The championship will be decided this weekend and history will be made. Joining me to discuss it all, we have Inside F2 editor Hannah Pruffuk, GP Grandstand's Jim Kimberley and former Formula 2 driver and also Alpine test driver and also Mahindra uh, test driver as well. He does it all uh, and now a broadcaster as well. Jordan King, welcome to the show, Jordan. Coming up on the show then... A champion will be crowned this weekend. We take a look at the championship as going into the final round of the season. A new layout for Abu Dhabi this weekend. We discuss the track and what it could mean for this weekend. And we have yet more driver changes this weekend. We reveal all. All of that to come then, but I want to come to you first, Jordan. Welcome to the show, as we've just said. Uh, it's been a great season so far. Um, you know, very different season with, with the new format. Uh, what have you made of it all? Yeah, I'm not sure I'm a massive fan of the new format. I'm sure there's been plenty of discussions behind closed doors uh, about it, set to be changed for next year. Um, it just, yeah, it just took away some of the purity of the racing. I think before it, it did work quite well with having qualifying and then the main race based on qualifying uh, and then the sprint race, your results. So even if you didn't quite get it right and finish fourth, you, you were still in the mix for the following day. Uh, yeah, it, it seemed to work quite well. So I'm a little bit surprised that they, they switched it up um, the way they did. But it has thrown in some quite interesting races and interesting results with how, how big the reverse grid uh, deficit can be. Yeah, it has been interesting. And, and your take on the championship so far, Oscar Piastri is, uh, he's, well, he's, 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 he's gone and he's, he's a long way ahead, isn't he? Yeah, well, the start of the year, as always in any championship, consistency is key. Uh, and no one really stretched their legs and really took hold of the championship. I think we saw in F3, uh, Dennis Hauger kind of really managed to get a stranglehold on it. But no one really did early doors in F2. Um, but then recently now, I think with the Oscar, it's his fourth pole in the row. Um, and yeah, he's now winning races for fun rather than kind of not lucking into them, but falling into them. Uh, and yeah, he's really started to stretch his legs. And that's always nice to see in the championship. And it shows a true champion when they do do that. It takes a little while to kind of get going as a rookie for him. Um, but once you find your feet and then able to kind of sprint away, um, it's nice to, nice to see, nice to see the improvement, nice to see the consistency. Um, and yeah, there's no doubt when you get to the end of the year and someone's managed to do that, well, the other championship contenders are still having the bad results um thrown in there it, it just confirms who who the best was yeah 100 percent. and uh great to have you with us again uh jenna was crazy wouldn't it can we expect a, a bit of a calmer weekend this weekend i hope so i don't think i could cope if it was any more dramatic like jenna was i think considering the difference in the circuits i think yas marina is going to be a lot calmer compared to how jenna was there's a lot more runoffs if drivers do make mistakes and if there are crashes Hopefully it won't kind of have too much of a bang on the rest of the weekend. I think the what there's maybe three drivers that I would say have probably them nothing to lose in Schwarzman's own tickdom. They could probably just potentially just try and send it across the whole weekend. So if we're thinking of anyone that could potentially take those risks, I would say it's one of those two. But I think for most of the drivers, any of the new ones that are coming on, just be trying to put a solid performance in to look into seats for next year. But the rest of the grid, it should be a good fight but I don't see it being anywhere near as chaotic as Jenna was. 
Yeah, in a way, I kind of hope so because it was uh, it was almost difficult to keep up last weekend, wasn't it? So, uh, so much going on. And Jim, obviously, we said in the Jeddah preview, uh, a new contract for Ralph Boschong. Wouldn't it be good if he gets a podium? And your your boy delivered at the first time of asking. I was so so proud of him. It was uh, it was terrific as well, and it was fully on merit as well. He had Joe chasing him down, and we saw in the first sprint race him just tumble backwards for the order. And then in the feature race, I know it was only a handful of laps that actually ran. He had to really defend from Joe, and he did. And little did you know at the time, then we'd have another safety car. And that turned into a podium. So it wasn't that he just so happened to start that he started pretty far back, actually. And the podium was, yeah, just reward. And he'll be so delighted for that. It'll mean so much for Campos, too. So excellent. I was <laughs> really pounding my fist in the air when it happened. It was a really good, really good watch on what was... Yeah, a difficult, a difficult Sunday with uh, how this how the race started. Yeah, hopefully the first of many for, for Ralph Boschong. Hopefully now he's got the first one under his belt. He can, he can really push on and get a few more. All right, then let's take a look at the championship standings heading into the final round of the season then. Oscar Piastri takes a 51 and a half point lead into Abu Dhabi. I think it's fair to say only a miracle will stop him from winning the title this weekend. Robert Schwartzman jumps ahead of Guan Yu Zhou in the standings last time out. The Chinese driver will be hoping for a stronger weekend this weekend to end his Formula 2 career on a high. Dan Tictum and Theo Porsche round out the top five. And the team standings, Kramer can't be caught at the top. They're the 2021 team champions after a brilliant weekend in Jeddah. But the battle for second is well and truly on with Carlin, UNI and Hitech all separated by just 26 points. OK, as we said, then Oscar Piastri is on the verge of wrapping up the title this weekend, which will be his second consecutive title, obviously, after the Formula 3 title last year. Uh, you know, he's, that's, that's a feat only of obviously been achieved by Charles Leclerc, uh, George Russell in the modern era of, of, of Formula 2. How impressive is that to you, Jordan? And, and, and where will Oscar rank, you know, assuming that he is a Formula 2 champion, where would he rank uh, amongst the other Formula 2 champions? I think the first thing you've got to recognise, well, as you alluded to, the fact that it's been three seasons in a row he's won, or if he gets this one, he has won a championship. Um, yeah, it's not easy to do, for starters. Um, you do need a bit of luck and a bit of uh, you know, a tailwind to, to help you along the way, but then you still still need to deliver. And I, I, I saw him, I was coaching another driver, uh, back in Formula Renault at the time, and he won the championship by one or two points. And it was one of those, it could have easily have gone the other way, but the cookie crumbled in his favour. Um, then stepped up to Formula 3, and again going into the last round last year in Formula 3, um, it was with Logan Sargent, wasn't it, where they were going for the championship, and Logan ended up crashing out of the race. Um, and uh, Oscar then got the title there, so it crumbled again in his favour. Uh, but then this year, as we kind of mentioned earlier, is really feels like it's come of age. It's not like he's had the battle all the way through the season and and dipped to the line and got it. He's, he's really just managed to get a solid start to the year, but then build on that and then keep going, keep going. Now, as we said, four poles in a row. It looks like he's winning races for fun compared to others that seem to like, oh, we, we got a race win, but it was kind of, luck where they really with Premier as well uh, seem to have it all under control and, and can manufacture a, a win rather than it be kind of they fall into place um, 
and that's just nice to see. It's, it's just really nice to see when someone can do that. Uh, you say 51 points in the lead. I think it's a miracle if someone can get a perfect score weekend and he doesn't score a single point. Uh, so, no, really happy for him. He's, he's worked hard. Obviously, I've seen a little bit of what's going on behind the scenes uh, at Alpine. Um, so, yeah, it's always nice to see when, when it comes together for someone like that. And, you know, they made the sacrifice from a young age to come over to Europe from Australia. Uh, so yeah, you can't you can't grumble when when someone uh, can achieve that level of success in such a short period of time. Is that the most impressive thing? The progression, obviously, no poles in Formula Three last year. He rocks up to Formula Two, starts the season well, four poles, uh, and then, as you say, he's now winning races for fun. What well, it seems at the last part of the season is is that progression the most you know impressive thing out of all of it? Yeah, I, I suppose that was always the question mark. Seeing him from a bit younger. Um, as you mentioned in Formula Renault, he probably wasn't the quickest, but he was the most consistent um, and managed to still win the title on it. But there's always that question mark of, okay, like he's got the title, but it's still a junior formula and uh, can it be translated? Then again, I wasn't aware he didn't uh, have any polls um, in uh, Formula 3. Uh, did you say polls or wins? I can't remember which one. Oh, yeah, no polls. Polls. Um, And yeah, I think that sums it up again. Like again, maybe not the quickest, not quite got it all together, but really consistent and knew how to win a championship. Um, you know, actually going into the last race, I think Sargent was in the driving seat, was starting higher up the grid, only had to finish ahead of him and end up throwing it off where Oscar was calm and calculated with it. So I think that shows... Uh, champion qualities and then this year he's managed to really convert that into a dominance of fucking well polls like we just said you know from no polls the previous year to scoring four in a row um winning races uh out of being the quickest and executing the best uh so all those building blocks have gradually kind of been building on top of each other and just at the right time just before formula one he's he's put them all together and uh got himself in the perfect place to to get a racy at some point. Yeah, 14 points wraps the title up for him, Hannah. That's assuming that, obviously, as we've just said, uh, Robert Schwartzman, Granny Joe have the perfect weekend, which, you know, is very unlikely, isn't it? If you're a betting person, what point is he going to get the, you know, wrap it up? Will it be sprint race one, sprint race two? Will it be? I suppose it depends on qualifying, really, doesn't it? Yeah, I think qualifying could be kind of the anomaly in the situation here. If he... If he goes and plays the long game and goes, right, I'm going to fight for pole. I want my fifth pole of the season. And to get pole for the feature race, then it's obviously going to put him in a disadvantage heading into the first sprint race. In two, if I was a betting person, I'd go sprint race two, because I think given the 14 points difference and the lower points allocation for the sprint races, two solid performances in both races should see him take the title. But he does have former previously. He won here, um, won at Yasmarino <laughs> in Formula Renault Euro Cup. So he's certainly a dab hand around the circuits. I'm gonna I'm gonna go and be cautious and say sprint race two, but with Formula Two, anything could happen. He could end up banking it out of the door on the get-go and taking it at sprint race one if he gets pole. We're holding that to you, Hannah. We're uh, <laughs> if uh, if it doesn't happen, then all right. That's that's Oscar Piastri. Then uh, a few drivers uh, who have their their last weekend in Formula Two. Obviously, Oscar Piastri is one of them. We know that Guan Yu Zhou is obviously moving up to Formula One. Dan Tictum's moving on. Christian Lungard, potentially Robert Schwartzman as well. How how important is it, Jim, for for them to have a good weekend, good final weekend in Formula Two? Will will that be in their mind at all? Uh, 
when you posed this question to me beforehand, I was thinking about the answer. I think for most of them, it's more about getting the season out of the way at this point. I don't know what Schwartzman's plans are. I don't know if that's something that will come out soon, um, potential beer. But it's, it's an end of an era of these drivers, these, uh, these ones that become household names for us at least. Uh, and seeing that last race with Doohan and Sargent coming in and thinking it's you know, changing the guard a little bit. I think Lundgaard will be just delighted to get out after this season. Uh, that second seat is definitely cursed and <laughs> he'll be, yeah, he'll be delighted to be racing in something where he's got chances of actual victories again. Um, I think Joe, it doesn't really matter, does it? It'd be nice for him to prove something, but uh, the question marks he's got about should he be the driver that gets a promotion, not Piastri? They're not going to go away even if he takes second in the championship because he'll be second by some margin. So, again, he'll want the season just to be over, good result or not, because he's going to start concentrating on being an F1 driver from the minute that checkered flag falls on Sunday. That's it. He's out. Um, Tictum, again, he's the one I think might be wanting to prove a point because he's still arguably could get second in the championship and that would be quite a feather in the cap I think to be like it could have been me and Piastri's potentially at this point uh, a Russell or Leclerc style talent so I don't think anyone's going to be looking to impress I think if anyone's going to be really out to, to shine will be some of those F3 drivers um, maybe some of the, the Red Bull juniors who are going to be going into next year thinking hey, Lawson I'm thinking Vips I need to be the next driver if it's an Oda or whoever is it going to be stepping up into Red Bull and Alpha Tower are going to change things. Those are the guys who want to get some momentum into next season. But yeah, out of the ones that you mentioned, these these uh, these long-termers, I think this has been a long old season that all all of them are going to be wanting it just to be over. Now, you're right with the Red Bull guys, obviously with Dennis Hauger making the step up mm. as well. It's going to be ultra-competitive in the, in the Red Bull uh, ranks, isn't it? So, yeah, let's, uh, let's wait and see on that one. So let's and you say about Daruvula as well, don't you? Daruvula with these rumours about Prima Drive. Red Bulls yeah. next year is going to be insane. 100%. If Daruvula's in a Prima, you back his chances as well, wouldn't you? So, uh, yeah, all, all move for Red Bull, isn't it? So, mm. All right, let's talk about the track a little bit then. So they've changed the layout around Abu Dhabi. Uh, three sections of the track. Uh, Hannah? Tell us a little bit about the changes. So, well, the first biggest changes is in the north-facing section of the track, eliminating the chicane at turns five and six, which, thank God, I'm very happy to see it because, obviously, with the changes, it'll open up and bring forward the hairpin at turn seven, which allows more overtaking opportunities for drivers. The second biggest change is removing the sharp corner complex between turns 11 through to 14. They've been replaced by a 180-degree long bank sweeping corner, which I think overall positive change and as well you've got the final changes at the they've opened up the radiuses at turns 17 through to 20 to create a faster flowing section and the changes at turn 20 allow cars to follow closer together so for formula one probably estimating it'll be about 14 seconds quicker i'm happy that they've made the changes i think the hardest thing when you've got a circuit like this that they've identified those weaknesses and made those changes because i think abu dhabi traditionally has been a bit of an underwhelming race especially with the chaos that we just had in Jeddah, we need a solid season finale, both in F1 and in F2. And I think the changes are a positive step. Still not going to be the greatest sick on the calendar, but hopefully more overtaking opportunities, more battles for the lead and through to the midfield, I think. Could be in for an exciting weekend or at least more exciting than we've seen previously. Jim, you know, need for a change is a freshen up a positive move? 
Yeah, I see uh, see Jordan smiling there, probably having raced there a, a bunch of times. It's not the worst of tracks. It's far from the best of tracks. Um, Jordan may have other opinions based on actually driving the thing, but after the, the second long straight, it's just waiting. Um, it's waiting for the for Sector 1, basically, to, to come back around. And now with the, the new Sector 1, with this new, as Anna said, hairpin that's not the chicane, got, got doesn't have the chicane before it now, which is a great uh, addition. And I know that we talked about this before when they first designed the track, and it was to do with runoff safety. Um, so I'm not sure uh, all the details of what's changing, but I think that's, that has been the most obvious place for another overtaking zone since we've ever raced there. Formula 2 wouldn't have any problems overtaking on that track anyway because it's you know, it's Formula 2. Uh, but for Formula 1, I think it's, it's massively going to improve things, um, which will also... Constantina down into Formula 2. The main thing for me, though, is that sweeping banked um, left-hander now we're going to have at the end of the second straight. I don't know if we're going to lose some overtaking possibilities there because it's not going to be such a hard-breaking zone. But why Austria is one of my favourite tracks is it's just so quick that once you've got through turn four, which is really turn three, you just have to go through the next section, um, the infield where you get out of the way and boom, you can start overtaking again at the same part of the track. So anything to get rid of that horrible latter half of uh, Abu Dhabi or to get it overdone quick with quicker, it's a positive change for me. Um, I think it's, yeah, I think there's other layouts I could have done, but I think it's necessary. I think it's something that could have been done years ago, in all honesty. Um, Abu Dhabi have got the money, as we've seen, um, to pay to say we want to be the season finale that they're going to be around for a long time so at least make the season finale better than last year's Formula 1 season finale where it was god awful so yeah positive change and I really hope it could lead to exciting races in Formula 1, 2 and anyone else that joins I haven't been able to because I spent all the money on the fireworks, mate. That's why. <laughs> yeah, that's why. See, Jordan, you've you've driven the thing. Then uh, positive changes, uh, and and is it going to create more overtaking? Uh, sorry, I'm going to disagree with all of you. <laughs> um, no, I agree. It does need a change. Um, yeah, it needed a change, but I think fundamentally, still using the same bit of racetrack is not the change that needed to be done. Um, I've driven it on the simulator already and now what is turn five, which was what turns seven, eight, um, seven, eight, six, seven, the now hairpin turn five, uh, you're breaking in formula one car anyway, you're breaking at 50 meters and it's a reasonably quick hairpin. It's, there's not going to be much overtaking into there, maybe a little bit, but. Not, not much. Um, it might mean there's a bit more overtaking then down the straight uh, in then the next chicane. But uh, as kind of Jim alluded to, the end of the lap, that banked corner, there'll be less overtaking than in the chicane. I'm glad they've got rid of the chicane, but putting a fast banked corner is not going to help the overtaking. So they, they've made changes to try and solve a problem, but they've solved them in the wrong way for me. Um, and yeah, as Jim said, the last sector... They've opened it up. It's going to be faster. So they will be getting around to start the lap quicker. But where the overtaking is, is on the straight, a bit like you mentioned in Austria. You kind of just wait until you get back to DRS on the straight to be able to overtake. Uh, the second last corner, which was turn 20. I don't know what turn it's going to be now. 
uh, is flat out and quite easy flat out. But for a following car with disturbed air, it probably won't be flat out. So you're not going to be able to follow any closer through there anyway. They're higher speed corners through the um, through the hotel. So higher speed, you need more downforce. So the turbulent air behind, you'll lose grip. So yeah, I'm not convinced it's going to make it any better, really, to be honest. I agree it did need a bit of a change and, and everything, but it needed more of a fundamental redesign rather than I mean, it's built on a man-made island that's completely flat. And, and we always look at the great circuits being the ones that were built by virtue of racing on roads or, you know, Silverstone was around an airfield, Spa was on roads through the mountains, Hockenheim, similar. You know, we all look at those and go, oh, how fantastic they are. I think when you make something too artificial, it loses all its character and you try and solve a problem by computer design rather than, by 60 years of just gradually racing and changing it slightly and, and everything. Um, I, I hope I'm wrong. I do hope I'm wrong. Uh, I agree that Formula 2 won't have a problem of overtaking. It never has done. Um, cars are a bit slower. They're easier to follow. Uh, tire wear is greater. Um, so they're, they're always easier to, to follow. I think F1 will still be a little bit wait for DRS, to be honest. Um, yeah, that's my two cents. <laughs> Jordan, um, can I ask a question on this? Do you think it's something I've always thought is they've tried to make this racetrack around the marina to turn it into uh, the Middle East's Monaco of sorts, which I don't think ever translates onto television for viewers who, who are watching on television, not actually there. And that is the problem I see. It. It's that last sector when it's all going around the marina, going under the hotel. If that was... You know, we've got this bank corner now. If that was a hairpin, as we see at Wisco's Turn 5 now, yeah. and you went onto another straight just to get rid of those corners, is that going to be a better track? Because I'm looking at the layout of it, and I, I can understand what you're saying, because you are removing one overtaking zone, and it's those tight, twisty sections of the track, which doesn't add anything to me. Uh, I've not seen any crashes there. I've not seen many overtakes there. Get rid of it. Yeah, I think yeah, that's why I mean... You- You've got to fundamentally have a full redesign if you want to suddenly make a racetrack have more overtaking. But then we look at Monza. Monza on paper would be the best track for overtaking, but actually it's not that great because DRS isn't that powerful. The cars are so slippy because they take all the downforce off it. Um, So it's not a simple solution when talking about what makes good racing and bad racing. You know, we, we go to Monaco every year knowing there's going to be limited overtaking but that doesn't mean we always have a bad race even if it only has two or three overtaking moments we we love those and you think how fantastic is that so i don't think it's so much about quantity it's also about quality of racing now actually the the battle we've had you look at brazil there was plenty of overtaking in the back of the field but because we had a fight at the front and people were gripped on it lewis and max only got side by side twice three times and obviously there's a story behind it it's the championship and it's fantastic but then as soon as lewis got ahead it was like all right what we're watching you know race race is over so so for me it's not it's not about quantity and live sport you know we go you go to a football game you don't expect to see a five goal draw as a thriller of a match you know most of the time it's a one nil game Similar in rugby, you watch rugby 
very rarely do you actually get a 35-40 game where the losing side are really chasing down. So I think there's this notion that it should always be super, super exciting, but actually I think we should be going for more quality. That's my idea. When you, when you look at F2, it's super, super exciting because there's always so much going on and there's so many other variables and the budget's so much limited so they can't control a lot of those variables. And it's great entertainment and great racing, but actually there's not a lot of quality in it. You know, why, why do us as sports fans... What you know, we were speaking before with Fraser um, about football, and he wants to go and watch Ronaldo. Why, why would you want to go and watch Ronaldo more than any other footballer? Pretty much every other footballer can still do an overhead kick and score a goal, but Ronaldo actually does it in game and does something exciting, and it's going to see that potential. And he might not score a single goal, but you still go to do that. And I think that's where. Formula One, we get lost in this world of the passionate fans still love it and people that aren't interested in it aren't interested in it. But the same way you go to cricket and there's still 50,000 people having a great time. Actually, it's a pretty boring sport. I mean, I loved it. I played it. I like going to the cricket. But it is a boring sport. And I think it's getting that understanding that it's an exciting sport in Formula One. It's fast cars, it's dangerous, it's noisy, it's exciting and everything. But that also becomes part of it and it can't always be exciting then on the racetrack. I think um, back in, it would have been about 2006 uh, with Fernando Alonso being chased down by Michael Schumacher oh. in, in Imola. Not a, single, not a single overtake was done, but yet we always seem to see that footage played on on the TV as this amazing moment, this amazing battle. They didn't even get side by side, but it was fantastic because it's the potential. Look at that. That is two people going at it hard. Why do people tune in to watch a 10,000 metres in the Olympics? It's 30 minutes of running. It's not particularly exciting, but you can see the human determination and the exhilaration of it all. And I think that's what we actually need to start to understand because you, you lose the human element of motorsport because you're in a car with a helmet on and you can't see the person. As far as you and I are aware, pretty much watching on TV, there's not a human inside that car. Obviously, we know there is. Um, And that's where Netflix actually, I think, has done a fantastic job for our sport, is given the human element. And even I've had friends I've grown up with at school and they know I've been racing. I used to miss school and go away and they knew what I was doing and you know, they come and what are you doing this weekend? Oh, I drove a Formula One car. So they like, knew it was happening. And this is someone I've been with like my whole life as at school and everything. And it's not until about eight months ago they go, oh, I watched Drive to Survive. Oh, it's fantastic. Let's have a conversation about it. So I, I think that's the element that it's never been tangible for people. Um, in you know, the Bernie era of you have to pay a million pounds to even get a grandstand ticket where now it's on Netflix, it's on social media, and there's the human element and people are getting involved. So for me, it's not about, we suddenly need to see loads and loads of overtaking. We need to see close racing, tactics, the human element, see the drivers when they get out of the car, they're knackered, you know, have more engagement in it. And people will start to appreciate, you know, how exciting was Brazil for 20 laps when Lewis was chasing Max down, even without an overtake. Everyone's like, is he close to the fifth lap? No, he's not. Oh, he's made a bit of a mistake. Right, he's going again. You know, and you hear the team radio. 
I think what we're getting access to now in the sport is making it so much more exciting, regardless of just everyone overtaking all the time. It's uh, essentially the argument of uh, if we want, if, if, if the sport is all about overtaking, why do we start the fastest driver at the front and the slowest driver at the back? Because you're not going to get any overtaking. Yeah, and if you want to watch great close racing with loads of overtaking, go down to your local kart track and watch the cadets. Go and watch the eight-year-olds. They're the slowest carts and it's the best racing because they're so slow. No one can pull away. They just sit there and they're overtaken all the time. But it's not exciting because overtakes happen all the time. It's slow. Fundamentally, with the fastest race cars in the world in Formula One, I mean, nothing comes close to it. Even Formula Two are 15 seconds slower at the moment. By virtue of that, it's going to be hard to follow and overtake. So kind of let's lose this note well i feel let's lose this notion of we need overtaking all the time or actually reintroduce different strategies that different tire strategies maybe even industries fuel loads and and try and engineer it so there's other things going on that people are interested in following battles and everything jordan you've raced in reverse grid races what, what are your what are your opinions on reverse grid do you think it's good for the for the sport uh, I mean, I did win a couple of reverse grid races in, in F2. So uh, from that instance, I'll say, yes, they're great. Um, but no, I, I don't fundamentally, you don't, you don't watch the 100 metre final when Usain Bolt was running and go, well, yeah, we're pretty sure he's going to win. So let's just put him at 105 metres. You know, it's, you, for me anyway, I know I'm involved in sport, a sportsman, and I love it. For me, actually, I get more enjoyment out of seeing someone go and do something fantastic. You know, Usain Bolt, Adam Peaty in Butterfly. You know, actually watching him, even though you know he's going to win, you're like, wow, how good is that? How, how amazing can someone be? He's swam the fastest 20 times in history ever. It's like... That's impressive. Well, that's worth just watching just to be like, no one has ever swam as quick as him. No one has ever run as quick as him. I think that's what, you know, we're starting to see with, with Lewis at the records. Every week you can go, wow, I've never, no one's ever won 100 Grand Prix before. And Lewis has just done that. I watched his 100th Grand Prix win. So I think you need these characters in sport. And America does a really good job in that. Um, with, you know, they always have, this is how many... Um, points they've scored in basketball is how many home runs you know they really do all the stats this is how far the quarterback's thrown the football and and all that stuff where you go and watch the Premier League and football you have no idea how many goals people have scored and how many assists they've had how many metres they've run in the game or whatever um, and Formula One has all that data has everything we've got history I mean the cars have so much data on them anyway there's 2,000 data channels on a Formula One car so we're starting to now, as you see on TV pop up, uh, really start to introduce all of that into the sport. And there's so much more engagement from fans. And I think that will actually solve the problem that people perceive as, oh, it's boring. Because it's really not boring. Actually, there's so much going on. We just need to show it. 
Yeah, hundred percent. That's really, really interesting having your perspective. That's that. that's but... my short. That's my short answer. <laughs> <laughs> we'll come back for your long answer. Nice one. Um, okay, a couple of driver changes to tell you about then going into to this weekend uh, after obviously, obviously awful accident last weekend in the feature race. Uh, Richard Vashore will be stepping uh, into Enzo Fittipaldi. Charus uh, obviously still uh, wishing uh, Enzo Fittipaldi well, and really good to see Richard Vashore back and stepping into the number twenty-two HWA car will be Jake Hughes again it'll be returning and actually i want to talk about something jake hughes uh, tweeted last week he said that he believes it's about time we have anti-stall on the cars uh obviously that would have prevented that accident uh and it's not you know the first time that we've seen it we saw it in abu dhabi a few years ago uh do you agree jordan you've driven the cars do you think anti-stall should be put back on the car or put on the cars uh they do have anti-stall um, the Formula 2 cars you can choose to run it you can choose to switch it off it's not mandatory uh, I never ran with it on because uh, the Formula 2 system isn't quite as uh, high-tech as Formula 1 Formula 1 anti-stall is fantastic um, whereas quite a lot of the time the anti-stall wouldn't catch you and you could still stall uh, but also at race starts, if you had a really good race start and your revs dropped quickly because it just works it off on the rev dropping, even though you weren't going to stall because you're driving forward, it would activate the anti-stall. You'd have to re-ball the clutch and go again. So I never ran with it. Touch wood, I'd never stalled at a start and pit stop or anything like that. Um, but no, they do, they do have them. It's not mandatory. Uh, so... Yeah, maybe Jake needs to have a little word of his team because they've told him a lie, but it does. They, they do have anti-stall. Some drivers do, do run it. Um, I've even heard of drivers before when they've hit the brakes too hard and locked the rear axle because the revs have stopped effectively. It's gone into anti-stall, even though obviously when you're going quickly, you the rear axle comes unlocked, it bumps start again. Uh, but yeah, I mean... Even with anti-stall, you still get moments where cars won't pull off the grid. Yeah. Um, I mean, watching the footage, I was quite surprised the car at the back of the grid ended up hitting him, not the ones closer to him, because there were a lot of yellow flags. And uh, it clearly was unsighted and, and didn't see it because it wasn't even remotely uh, Enzo pretty much straight in the back. Um but yeah, I'd like to think that all the light panels worked properly. So he was, uh, he was, was shown that there was a staller at, or a problem further up the grid. Um, but yeah, it's, it's never what you want to see. No, 100%. And uh, yeah, obviously, we've said about Enzo as, and, and, and Terry Butcher as well. Uh, by the looks of social media, it looks like he'll be back this weekend. So really happy to see him back. And uh, yeah, glad that his recovery has gone well. Um, uh, sorry, Richard Vashore, Jim, uh, back. Uh, good news, right? It's, uh, it was a shame that he lost his seat in the first place. So good to, good to have him back, right? Yeah, it's good to have him back. Um, I don't know what he's going to be able to do in the Shuru, but it's it's good that he's got the, the opportunity to finish the season. Um, we said before it wasn't fair that it's never fair to see some of these drivers lose a seat for what's clearly financial reasons from as as we discussed uh, in the pre-race show before Jeddah. Um, I'm glad that he gets an opportunity. It's come out of not the greatest circumstances that we've just spoken about. I don't I don't think the the shoes is the strongest MP, so I don't suspect we're going to see him you know finishing his. F2 
campaign this year on the podium or taking a victory or anything. But as as replacement drivers go, they've had a bit of a result because for sure, I think he showed his credentials this year in not what is not the fastest car, but still taking a win, which is uh, excellent to see. Uh, uh, he doesn't know he's got anti stool on his car, but uh, JQ is good to see him back. And uh, is, is this probably is uh, maybe probably the last race or the last time we'll see him in Formula Two? I'd say so. I think I'm quite happy to see him back. I joke he forget Nico Hulkenberg. JQ is the super sub this season. Been drafted in for Formula Three and for Formula Two. I think it'll be nice to see him back. It'll also be HWA's last for our informative yeah. because they'll be scheduled to leave it be leaving at the end of the season. And obviously his fourth place finish in the sprint race in Sochi was their best ever finish in the championship. I'm excited to see he should be a solid pair of reliable hands. I don't think the HWA is suddenly going to be a cracking car on the Abu um, track. But I think the one thing that does slightly confuse me is what's happened to Logan Sargent in this situation, whether it was only a one-race deal or whatever happens there, because I'm surprised he won't be on the grid. But overall, I think it'll be Hughes' kind of last hurrah. I'm happy to see him back, and hopefully he'll get a solid performance in, I think. It'll be a nice way to kind of sign off the season on a positive note. Yeah, 100%. Let's wait and see. Okay, that's all we got time for today. My thanks to Jordan, to Hannah and to Jim. And thank you to you guys at home for watching as well. If you've enjoyed the show, as always, make sure you give it a like. Subscribe if you're new around here for more content, including the F2 show. We'll be back to review Abu Dhabi next week. But from me, Fraser Ford and all of us here at Inside F2, we'll see you next time.